This evening we have a, a lengthy text before us. It's Exodus chapter 16. But I think this story we need to take as one whole narrative. And we're going to be looking um, this evening at the heavenly provision that God gives to His people. So if you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. For the word of the Lord is completely sufficient. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the word of the Lord is completely inerrant. Exodus chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Zin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each one of you as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. Some gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses 
Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he has given you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Lord, we ask that you would open up your word to us. That as we look into it, we would see ourselves, Lord. We would see when we grumble, when we complain. We would see our provision from you, that you give to us day upon day, grace. Lord, help us this evening to learn from your word. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. It's a story that's probably apocryphal, but it has so much that is rooted in the truth that I wonder if it didn't actually happen. It's the story of a great flood. And a man sees the flood coming and he's up on his roof. And his friend comes by in a big pickup truck and he says, Come on, jump down, get in the bed. I'll drive you off to safety. And the man says, No, that's okay. God will provide. And then the water continues to rise, and someone else comes by in a boat. And he says, the water's rising. Quick, jump into the boat. I'll drive you off to safety. And the man says, no, 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 that's okay. God will provide. And then finally, the water rises to such a level that the only other thing that could come, a helicopter, comes by the roof of this home. 
And the man in the helicopter lets down a ladder rope and he says, grab the ladder rope, climb up into the copter, and I'll take you off to safety. And the man says, no, 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 God will provide. And of course, the waters rise and the man dies. And the man comes into the presence of God and he says, oh Lord, I was trusting you, I waited on you. Why didn't you come to help me? Why didn't you provide for me? And the Lord says, I sent you a man with a truck. And then I sent a man with a boat. And then I sent a man with a helicopter. Why didn't you see my provision? And I think that's often the way we look at God and his provision. We don't look for the ordinary. We don't look for what we need day upon day. We expect God to work in some miraculous, spectacular way. But so often that's not how God works. He's found in the day-to-day -day things of life. Because, frankly, we need him every single day. We don't just need the Lord in times that are spectacular. We need him every single day. And so this evening we're going to look at a provision that God gives to his people. A common, ordinary provision. Food. Daily food. But in that provision, we see much about ourselves and about the Lord. So I'd like us to see this evening four things. First, we see a grumbling people. Second, we see a gracious provision. Then third, we see a purposeful provision. And finally, we see a memorable provision. A grumbling people, a gracious provision, a purposeful provision, and a memorable provision. Let's start at the beginning of chapter 16. We see first the cause of the grumbling of this grumbling people. They set out, Moses tells us, from Elam, all the congregation and the people of Israel. And they set out on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from Egypt. So Israel is on a long journey in the wilderness. It is often easy for us as we read through the text of Exodus to compress the time. To think that this is all happening in a day or two. But this is a long journey in the wilderness. Six weeks they have been out in the wilderness, verse 1 tells us. The 15th day of the second month after they have set out. And there is no end in sight. As far as the Israelites know, this is going to go on and on and on. They don't know when they will reach the promised land. They don't even know where the promised land is and so you can see that this would be a cause for discouragement. There is, I think, nothing so discouraging to us as to be in a time of difficulty or strife and not to see the end. Perhaps you have experienced this because you have chronic pain or you know someone who has chronic pain. The pain itself is bad, but wondering if it will ever go away makes it even worse. And... Remember, Israel, too, has experienced past difficulties. They had water that was not fit to drink. They were attacked by the Egyptians. Before that, they were in slavery. And again, we see something else that is common to man, to the Israelites and to you and me, and that is so often we remember our past hardships more clearly 
than our past deliverances. And so the result in verse 2 is a rebellion. The whole congregation rises up. Now in the last chapter, in chapter 15, at the waters of Marah, we were told that it was some people that rose up and complained. But here in verse 2 we, hear, we read that the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled. This is an organized rebellion. The congregation, the people of God, and all of them have come together. Now, I want you to notice something else here. They begin with grumbling. In the previous chapter, at the waters of Marah, it began with a need. They came to the waters... The waters were not fit to drink, and then they complained. And now they go actually to the next step. They are complaining before they even make their need known. This rebellion is foolishness. Look with me at verse 3. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. Now, this has to be either the dumbest or the funniest statement in all of Scripture. C could you imagine that? They're saying, you should have left us in Egypt. It was great in Egypt. We sat around and we ate. You would think they were not describing Egyptian slavery. They were describing Club Med. That they were somehow on vacation. And that God had swooped in and taken them out of this wonderful provision only to lead them into the wilderness. Do you see how foolish grumbling makes you? And so what they begin to do is to doubt God's goodness. They actually accuse God, the very hand who had delivered them. They actually sang that God had delivered him by his, by his mighty hand in chapter 15, verse 6. They are accusing God of basically plotting to kill them. Now, as we know, this makes no sense. Because God has rescued them. He has redeemed them. And even if he had wanted to destroy them, he could have done so at the Red Sea. He could have done so at the waters of Marah. He could have left them in Egypt. So this makes no sense at all. It is complete and utter foolishness. But what you should see here is that the people of God have taken their eyes off of God. And when you take your eyes off God, you begin to complain. Don't think that you can take your eyes off God and not complain. When you take your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, you will begin to grumble and complain about your circumstances. And so Israel is now groaning under the service of the Lord in the same way that they groaned under Pharaoh. They doubted God's provision. They said that God was incapable of providing for them. They've longing, they're longing for a past life of misery. They're, they have a false remembrance of slavery in Egypt. Pots of meat, bread to the full. Now, if we think about Egypt and slavery in analogy to our slavery to sin, there's a good point to be made here. Do we long 
for past sin? Do we glorify the sin in our past? Do we wistfully think about things that were sinful and imagine them as better than they were, as more fulfilling than they were? Because you see, that's what Israel's doing. And if we look at Israel and we say how foolish they are, then we have to look in the mirror. Because when we look at our past sin and find any hope or good in it, we're acting just as foolish. The second thing that we see beginning in verse 4 is a gracious provision that God gives to His people. Now, He gives a provision. There is an immediate provision, and that's food. That very evening, the Lord brings food. And it is a pleasant provision. He brings them meat and bread. He brings them food that would easily be eaten and enjoyed. Now, you know, in the main, there are two kinds of foods that we eat. There's the kind of food that we need to learn to enjoy. That at first glance, we would rather not eat. Maybe for you, it's green beans or broccoli. We learn to eat it, and it becomes a part of our diet, and we can even enjoy it if it's prepared in certain ways. And then there are other things that you can put in front of someone, and you don't even have to tell them to eat it. I dare say, if your family is anything like mine, one of those things is bread. Have you ever had the occasion of going out to a restaurant and you have to tell the kids to stop eating the biscuits? To stop eat the bread because your meal's going to come and we paid for that meal and you're not going to finish it? And everyone loves that bread. Bread is something that we all have memories of from our past. Biscuits in the kitchen. Or Fresh bread sliced and on the table. For me, it's a little Italian bakery in Niagara Falls called DiCamillo's. And that bread is so good that whenever we travel to western New York, we have to go to this bakery and buy a couple of loaves just to take back with us. Bread is wonderful to eat. And that's what God provides. He doesn't provide them something that they don't enjoy. He provides them food that they love and that they have. But not only is this provision pleasant, it is supernatural. See how God describes it. I will rain bread from heaven. Now God could have provided bread for them naturally, just as he did the quail. He brought the quail into the camp of Israel. But that's not what God does. He rains bread from heaven so that there can be no doubt that God is the one providing this. And this provision is not just food. He also provides evidence of his presence with them. God is with them right now, hearing them. Over and over again, he says... I have heard your complaints. Now, see how this is repeated over and over again. In verse 7, he has heard your grumbling. And in verse 8, the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him. And in verse 9, he has heard your grumbling. And then again in verse 12, I have heard the grumbling of the people. God is telling them he is with them. In the midst of their grumbling and complaining, he has not abandoned them. He's here and he hears them. And his presence 
is redemptive. Look with me at verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. All of this is designed that they may know that God has redeemed them. There's much more here than filling some bellies. God is making clear to his people that he's present with them, and he's present with them in a redeeming way. Also notice that God's presence is not only redemptive, it is glorious. What's happening here is an opportunity for the people of God to draw near to God. Notice verse 7. And in the morning you shall see the bread and the quail. Now that's not what Moses says, does he? That's what we might expect. The people are hungry. In the morning you'll see the food. But he doesn't say that. He says, in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. You shall see God coming before his people in verse 10. The glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. This is a gracious provision. Then, beginning in verse 13, we see that this is also a purposeful provision. That this provision is designed to test Israel's faith. God provides food for that day only. His point is to teach Israel to depend on Him, not the provision itself. You see, we pray as our Lord has taught us, Give us this day our daily bread. But I fear often when we pray that prayer, what we are saying silently in our hearts is, give us this day our daily bread and a couple of weeks left over so we can stick it in the freezer and be safe. But that's not an option for the Israelites. The provision is sufficient, but it's sufficient only for one day, each and every day. And God provides enough for each person. There is none left over, and no one has a lack, we see in verse 18. So it's not as if someone can be overly industrious and try to corner the market on manna. When they gather it up, there's just enough for them to eat. And if someone was weak and frail, what they gathered was enough for them. Now you say, this doesn't make any sense. That's not how food works. No, but that's how God works. If you have great needs, God gives great provision. That's how God works in our lives. God not only tests Israel's faith, He tests their obedience. That is, their dependence on Him. Now let me be clear. Obedience is not about merit. Obedience is rather the proper expression of faith. If we have faith in the Lord, we obey Him because we trust Him. We follow His word because He is worthy, because His promises are true. And so obedience shows our trust in God. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, nor what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? God will provide. One of the great blessings of our current pandemic 
is that it forces us to rely on God day upon day. I don't know about you, but one thing that has been completely taken from me is planning. Because I don't know what next week brings. I'm not even sure what tomorrow brings. I have to rely upon the Lord. My circumstances are such that I have to obey Him and I have to trust Him. Obedience begins and ends with believing. And this provision is a way for God to show His provision for obedience. The test itself is a provision because the test increases faith. It provides for an exercise of trust. Obedience is an arena for us to show God that we trust Him and we love Him. And we see this in this wonderful Sabbath principle. God gives them enough to obey Him. On the day before the Sabbath, He gives them a double provision telling them that he's provided for them, that they are to rest and trust him. Would that we in our busy day and age understood this Sabbath provision better. Brothers and sisters, we are not meant to work ourselves into the grave. We are meant to rest. And when we rest... We show that we trust God and His provision. That we don't have to work 24-7. That we can take a break and trust the Lord and rest in Him. Because He will provide. Now, let me ask you this. If you were at work tomorrow, and your boss said to you, You know, I think you need a break. I'm going to give you not only this month's pay, but I'm going to give you next month's pay too. So you can have next month off. Work this week and take next month off. How would we respond? Would we say, hey, who are you to tell me what to do? If I want to work, I can work. What do you think you are giving me extra blessings? Now, just even to make that statement sounds foolish. But isn't that often how we treat the Lord's Day? As if somehow God is denying us our freedom to work ourselves tired. That somehow God has no right to give us rest. This is an important principle. And it applies to you and to me. You see, this is a wonderful example of the narrative. There is a lot of theology around the Lord's Day and the Sabbath. But I'm going to ask it to you in a question that I think the littlest among us can answer. Here's the important question. What comes first, 16 or 20? I think you know that the answer is 16. And what we see here is the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, the principle before Sinai, before Exodus 20. We see God's people enjoying this principle of rest, a principle from creation. It's not something that comes just in the law of God on Mount Sinai. It's a principle that God has established from the very beginning. That we need rest and to rest in Him. The last thing that we see 
in verses 31 through 36 is a memorable provision. God commands His people to remember. And this is important. Lest you think that you will remember and not forget, look to this story of the Israelites. Let me ask you a question. If you got up tomorrow morning and ate raisin bran for breakfast, and then on Tuesday you had raisin bran, and then on Wednesday you had raisin bran, and every day all year you had raisin bran, and every day for 40 years you had raisin bran in the morning. Do you think you'd have trouble answering the question from someone, what do you eat for breakfast? That's the story of the manna. And yet God knows we forget. 40 years, day upon day upon day, he fed them. And he knows they're going to forget. And he provides for their forgetfulness. He tells them, you are to take a jar and to put the manna in it so that later when people say, how did you possibly eat in the wilderness? They can show them how God provides. And there is a reason why we must remember. We must remember so that we can know God's faithfulness to us. The more we remember the work of God, the more we remember that he's faithful. And there's an important principle here for parents. We remember so that we can instruct our children, so that they can learn from the past blessings of God. Because our default is for us to forget. But God is gracious. He not only gives his provision, but he provides for our memory of his goodness to us. The Lord our God provides each and every day. Now I don't expect you to go out on your front lawn or in your shrub and to find some manna. If you find something on the lawn or in the shrubs, you may have a similar response. You may say, what is it? But I don't suggest you eat it. But God will provide for you tomorrow and the day after, and the day after. That's the great blessing and faithfulness of God. That there is no day in which God does not express and show his care for us. What a great blessing it is to have a faithful and loving God. Let's pray.